Grace, peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. My name is Nick Milkey. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there that are watching, possibly even my own. Uh, Mom, if you're watching, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks for putting up with me all these years. Thanks for putting up with Star Wars and my weird obsessions and for just being a really cool mom. I mean, who else's mom hangs out on Sunday night and watches their son host their own internet TV show from their garage? So you're the best. Um, I also want to shout out another very important mom in my life, my beautiful wife, Laura. Happy Mother's Day to you. Our four girls love you so much. You're an amazing mother. You do such a great job of nurturing, helping, doing all the things, especially all these girls need, because I'll do anything I can. But sometimes girls need mom and you're a fantastic mom. And you put up with me hosting my Internet TV show from our garage once a week. So I love you. Thank you for being my partner and being an amazing mom. Um, it is Mother's Day. I hope everybody has celebrated appropriately, whether you're a dog mom, a not mom, your mom, whoever's mom. Um, I hope it's been a good day for you. As I've thought about Mother's Day, as we've all gone through this week getting ready for it, I do like to reflect on, you know, who are the great Star Wars moms? There are quite a few. Um, the big ones that stand out, obviously, is Shmi Skywalker, the sacrifice and the decision she made to send her son with a stranger slash space wizard. Um, that was a big deal. That was a motherly sacrifice to hopefully give him a better life. That was a big deal. We have Padme, um, who obviously is Luke and Leia's mom. That was a, you know, it was an interesting sacrifice in a way. And we all still sometimes go back to the prequels and think she died from being sad, according to the robot in that scene. Um, but she was a mother to two key characters in this trilogy in these story or these in this saga that we love. Um, you've got Leia, of course, who has been Solo's mom. And that had, you know, its own place in the story in the canon, which I actually really enjoy. And then I will say my favorite Star Wars mom, um, and I feel like we've had this conversation maybe even on this show before. Um, I think Harrison Dula is probably my favorite Star Wars mom. Hera was not only a mother figure to the ghost crew, especially Sabine, who was younger with Ezra as he came into that crew. Um, but then we also get um, coming in along the way, we get Jason Sindula at the end of Rebels. Um, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Rebels, that ship has sailed. Um, but she's also a mom to Jason Sindula with Kanan and, you know, that legacy that carries on. So there's a great there's a great canon and legacy to Star Wars moms. And so it's appropriate, in my opinion, to shout that out on Mother's Day. Um, I want to also shout out hello to everybody in the live chat. I see JD. I see Matthew. I see Michael. Um, I know we've got folks joining in and we'll probably be jumping in. We went a little bit early this week. We actually may be shifting to this time just to get started a little bit earlier on Sunday nights. So thank you for being here. Thank you for jumping in. And if you are not joining us on the live stream, but you're listening on the audio feed that will go up on Monday morning, thank you for joining us as well. You're as, just as important a part of the show. We'd love for you to come and check out the live stream. But if you're a dedicated podcast person, listening in the car on the way to work, listening at work, doing chores, whatever it is. Thank you so much for spending some time with Podcast of the Wheels. It's a love of mine. It's a little bit of a, you know, it's a fun hobby and it's something that I get to do on a weekly basis. So you're a big part of that. And I thank you. Um, one other shout out. I am wearing uh, my clones t-shirt that I got at five below just yesterday because it's been bad batch week. We got two new episodes of a new series. Um, I'm not going to spoil everything completely because my guest has only seen one of the two shows that has come out. But that first episode, 
I'd say the first eight minutes of that episode, I was sold on the whole series. I mean, you give me that flash to, you know, a character that I dearly love and his origins and how that happened with Order 66. But I have talked a lot about, especially in the last couple of days, um, I didn't, I was never originally a Clone Wars guy. I came to Clone Wars later, actually, because of Rebels. Um, that first four episode arc in the last season of Clone Wars that we got last year, it was fine, but I was kind of ready for it to hurry up because I was ready to get to Ahsoka. That was what I was waiting for. Um, and so the Bad Batch was fine, and I feel like they were Space A-Team. That's what I kept comparing them to. Um, but this first episode of Bad Batch has sold me completely. Like I am in 100% for all of these guys. I love the drama that they have set up the um, kind of the, the controversy, not the controversy, the um, the protagonist, the antagonist with crosshair and the group and the whole thing. Um, it's really interesting. And I'm so excited for what it's going to continue to be. And I just, I'm ready and I'm glad we get it week to week because as I say all the time, if you give it to me all at once, I will watch it all at once and I don't need to do that. So I'm not going to break down Bad Batch on this show. Um, I was actually lucky to be a guest on Knights of the Nerd Republic yesterday where we talked about the first two episodes. Um, and I have another guest opportunity coming up very soon that you will be hearing about. And I just like talking about Star Wars and especially when there's new Star Wars. So hopefully I'll get to do some more of that. But tonight we're going to get to my guest because I have a fascinating guest um, who is really fun. I'm excited to hear his story. I'm excited for y'all to hear him. Um, my guest tonight is Jamie Cosley. Jamie is an artist and a cartoonist. He's a musician. He does a bunch of other things that I'm gonna let him tell us about, but just to run down a couple of things, um, Jamie has worked with tops and done cards for star Wars card trader. Um, he has for the last four years had cartoons in star Wars insider magazine. Um, he's done stuff for upper deck highlights for kids, which if you went to a doctor's office anytime between like the seventies and now highlights for kids has been a staple of all of our lives growing up. Um, Walt Disney world magazine and lots of other things. He's a, like I said, he's a cartoonist. I hope that's the right term. We'll let him tell me in a second. Um, and he does all this fascinating work. And when I get him in here, we're going to talk about his work. I'm going to put some of it up on the screen for you to check out. Uh, but I am pleased to welcome in my new friend, Jamie Cosley. Jamie, what's up? How you doing, man? Thanks, Thanks for having me. It is our pleasure to have you here tonight. Thanks so much for taking some time. And thank you to your wife for allowing you to spend a little bit of Mother's Day hanging out with us on our weird internet TV show. <laughs> she was excited for me. She she helped me get everything set up in here. Um, ordinarily, we have um, I will you know handle everything from from the computer office. Um, <laughs> but as I was as I was sharing with you, my my son is back and forth. So right now we've got um, a lot of his dorm room in our living room. There so you go. Um, <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually in my studio. This is where I sit and and draw every day. You can see the. Uh, oops, sorry, over here the um, that's right. uh, the spinner rack. Um, so I have lots and lots of uh, inspiration that I get to see every day. There are lots of toys in here, so this is where this is where it all happens. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. Well, before we get into the work you do and hearing your story, uh, we have a little bit of a tradition that I've developed on Podcast of the Wheels, and I talked to you about it before we got started. Uh, we have a drink tonight. I'm trying to make these Star Wars cocktails. Um, this one tonight is a classic favorite of mine. Um, it's one that I come back to most of the time as a recent guest, Marshall Julius said to me, 
Um, his favorite cocktail is whiskey in a glass with ice in it. And I agree with, with um, Marshall. I, that's usually my favorite go-to. Um, but tonight I like doing a little bit of a mixed drink and this is a favorite of mine. So I do have my Millennium Falcon being chased by TIE fighters rocks glass. Thanks to my good buddy, Jason for that. Um, I should have opened all these bottles before we got started. Rookie mistake. Um, so I have that. I have my good old fashioned Star Wars decanter bottle, which is a bottle with stickers that I refill with booze. Um, so we're going to get some bourbon in here, get a good little bit. And then we're going to throw some gin classic ginger ale. This is a very fine variety of ginger ale from Publix. Um, and so we've got a bourbon and ginger ale situation. And then just for a little touch, a little bit of color, put just a little touch of grenadine. That's probably too much. Um, I'm going to give it the classic on-camera shake, and I am calling this Jamie's Jedi Ink, because you are the <laughs> Jedi cartoonist, and no good cartoonist could survive without his ink, just like we all need a good cocktail from time to time. So, I raise my glass to you, sir, and thank you for coming on and being a part of the show tonight. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. So, Jamie. Yep. You are a cartoonist. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but before we get into that, I would love to hear a little bit about your Star Wars origin story. When you first saw Star Wars, how you grew up with it, kind of how that affected, you know, the importance that it had in your childhood. Tell us about your Star Wars origins. Okay. I remember, um, I remember watching it when I was uh, five years old. Uh, I saw it in the theaters and um, I remember being terrified of Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> but I also loved the character. Um, I remember, uh, I guess it was probably a year after that. Um, I was Darth Vader for, for Halloween. And it was one of, one of those, uh, those old school costumes where you, uh, it's got that <laughs> tight rubber band and, and you, you can yes. barely breathe. <laughs> and, yes. um, I was, I was trick or treating in a neighborhood and it was one of those guys that just went all out. And, he uh, his house was really spooky and he came around the corner and he was dressed up like the guy from um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Leatherface. Of course, here I am, you know, six years old, six and a half, whatever. I go tearing through the yard, run right into a, a low hanging um, branch, <laughs> <laughs> just clothesline, knock my mask off. And I'm like laying laying on the ground out of breath. Uh, that's what I remember about uh, about <laughs> that, that that Darth Vader costume. But he he has always been uh, my favorite character um, throughout the whole series, and of course the toys and everything. So I was uh, I was so excited to um, uh, to be able to to draw him. But yeah, I saw all the movies in the theaters. Um, I remember going and seeing. Uh, um, shoot phantom of the menace when that came out mm -hmm. with, a, with mm -hmm. a buddy of mine and we were all like oh my gosh because that that sequence with with darth maul and qui-gon and min kenobi is is probably my favorite lightsaber scene of all um absolutely you just you know the cartoons i love weird star wars <laughs> I, I love i love the um i remember having uh the first appearance of of jackson in the old marvel comics um, so yeah, it's just, it's just always been a part of, uh, of life. 
Oh, well, that it, and I agree. And I, I talk about all the time. I was born in 78. So there has literally been Star Wars my entire life. It's something I've always had. I've always had a connection to it. I didn't see the first couple when they first came out. But um, but it's always been there. And it's always been something that even as we went through, you know, the dark times, as people our age would call it, <laughs> um, after Jedi and before Phantom Menace, to get, you know, the Legends books and those old EU novels. And for you as an artist, I'm sure, did the Star Wars comic books play a part in your Star Wars fandom as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I um, I didn't have... You know, I know some people, you know, collect from from issue one on to uh, what was it? One hundred and one or one hundred and three. Mm-hmm. I can't really remember. One hundred and eleven. I, I think remember, it was one hundred and eleven. I just yeah. remember sporadically getting and I remember that that cover with Han Solo and Chewbacca and Jackson and and uh, it looked like Magnificent Seven or something. And I remember I had another one where um, Han Solo was on the cover and uh, it was it was kind of like a. Uh, from behind and he's shooting this guy look like a Viking. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so sporadically right. I would, I would get certain, uh, certain issues. And, um, and then of course the, you know, the cartoons, I remember the cartoons like Ewoks and, and droids. I remember when they came out um, and, and watching those. So, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just always, it, always been a part. Of well, and it's so neat too, because now, those things are having a renaissance, especially thanks to Disney Plus with the Caravan of Courage and the Battle for Indoor, the Ewok stuff. Um, I've got, you know, I talk about this all the time, my girls and discovering all these things on Disney Plus and going back and watching it. My oldest, Harper, she texted me from school, I think on Thursday, and they have a modified kind of block schedule. She's in seventh grade. And for their big study hall period, their math teacher is a star Wars fan. And so a lot of times like they're watching clone wars during study hall on the big smart board or whatever. And she sent me a picture of the dry erase board next to the smart board. And on the smart board, they were watching on YouTube, the original holiday special. And on the dry erase board, it said Harper's idea with an arrow pointing towards it. (laughs) And so she went in and told him, Hey, we should watch this weird thing that my dad always talks about. Um, and so I've now inflicted a bunch of seventh graders in Montgomery, Alabama <laughs> with the original <laughs> holiday special. Um, but yeah, but like the Ewok movies are having a renaissance because of that new stuff they put on Disney plus just a couple short weeks ago. Um, and people following up with, Oh yeah. What happened to, you know, that actor, what happened to this person? Who did they grow up and turn out, you know, turn out to be. So that's neat to have that. And so, especially for you, you had the comics, you had that as a part of growing up. And then at some point you transitioned as a grown up into being an artist and being a cartoonist. Tell us about that and certainly how Star Wars informed that part of your journey. Yeah, that, that was um, that is just uh, I will always consider it to be a tremendous blessing uh, from God. Um, I I kind of um, I'd always wanted to be a full time artist. That, that was right. That was always the dream. Um, but I had also always had, you know, a full-time job with really nice you know, benefits. And and I was in sales for years. And um, I did okay as a salesman. Uh, I'm very, I'm very chill. 
So I, I wasn't like, you know, some, some of these guys and gals that are just like, you got to go in for the kill. And <laughs> <laughs> I was always afraid I was going to steer somebody wrong, especially if it was like a ton of money. So I was just like, you know, are you sure this is what you want? And just, just wasn't very, it, it wasn't my passion. Um, so of course in 2008, when, um, when things got really, really rough, I lost one of the best jobs I've ever had. Uh, I was, I was making more money than I'd ever had. And, um, and Ava had just been born. So mm -hmm. we were looking at daycare and kind of deciding what to do. And, um, so I stayed, I stayed home and, and, uh, with her and then I'll never forget. I, I, you know, told Christy, I said, I want to, I want to try to really give this, you know, this art thing a go. And, you know, poor Christy, her eyes got real big. She's like, Oh, oh no, you know? Um, <laughs> right. But I, I started picking up little, little jobs here, here and there and, um, and making things, making things work. And I got a part-time job at a, at a small church where I was leading music. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I sang and play guitar. And, um, and then one day I uh, sent an email to Star Wars Insider Magazine. I had been with, I had been with Tops for a while. And so I went through and I found the editor, uh, Jonathan Wilkins. I will forever be grateful to him. He, he gave me uh, the opportunity. Um, I, I just, I honestly, every time I get Star Wars Insider in the mail, I open it up and I'm just like, there, there's my name. That's me. <laughs> and it's still exciting. It's, it's, it's never not been exciting. And uh, so I, I emailed him and I said, Hey, I would love to do some spot illustrations or um, I noticed you guys don't have a comic strip. I'd you know, like to submit some things. And I, I didn't really expect to hear anything. Um, but I did. He said, yeah, send me, send me what you got. No promises, but send me what you got. And so I remember at the time I was working on a, uh, I was working on a picture book. And so I stopped and I wrote a whole bunch of gags that day <laughs> and uh, I sent them in. And, and honestly it took, I think it was about a full year um, of just kind of going back and forth. And then at one point I thought, well, I guess, I guess that it, it's not going to happen. And so I just, I sent him an email and I thanked him. I thank you for the opportunity. Um, did you ever get any feedback from Lucasfilm? And he goes, he goes, Oh yeah, your, your comic's going to be in the, uh, in the new issue out in, uh, wow. in and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was four years ago. And I got to, I got to meet and hang out with Jonathan at um, Star Wars celebration in 2017. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, now I work with um, uh, Chris Cooper, who's a wonderful editor. He's he's got a lot of his own um, jokes and ideas, and he's a he's a talented cartoonist as well. And uh, I remember when I found that out, I was like, "Oh no, he's gonna get he's gonna drop me because he can draw all this." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I love I love working with him, and uh, and yeah, the latest one I, I've seen you show was uh, was Bad Batch. That was That's so right, yeah, we've got this one right here. Um, is this the that's most the, recent? That's the most recent. That's the latest <laughs> issue. I was so excited to, you know, because it all kind of coincided with the release of the uh, of the new show and everything. So I was I was just so excited. I I loved it. I've only seen the first one, but I loved it. 
Oh, it's really, really great. And it's going to continue, I think, to get good. And it it does some things, and this doesn't spoil anything for the second episode, but one of the things I love about it, and like I said in my kind of run-up before I brought you on, as somebody who was not originally really into the Clone War series, and as somebody who, you know, that first four episodes of The Bad Batch last year, um, it was fine, but I was waiting for Ahsoka and Maul. That was what I had showed up for. Everyone um, wants. <laughs> that's right. That's what everybody wanted. Um, but just, it gives me some things. And this is one of the things I love about Dave Filoni. And I want to shout out, especially my buddy Pete at Around the Galaxy. He talks about this a lot. Dave Filoni is so good at giving us Star Wars things that we didn't know we wanted. And, you know, the Mandalorian, when the Mandalorian was coming out, I was like, okay, I mean, I'm going to watch it at Star Wars. But I didn't necessarily, like, I was never the hardest core Boba Fett fan. Like, you know, Boba Fett had nine minutes of screen time in the original trilogy, and he died in kind of a silly way. So I wasn't as obsessed as other people I know were. He's great. But there are other people in Star Wars that I loved a lot more. So the idea of a Boba Fett show, I went, okay, maybe. But of course, from the very beginning, we get a baby Yoda. So I'm hooked on that right away. And that's something else I didn't know I needed. And then we get to that episode in season two when Boba Fett shows up and we get to learn, oh, he actually might be the awesomest bounty hunter in the galaxy. And he didn't even have his armor. And he like, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, so I like Boba Fett too. Like he's done this (laughs) and it happened with rebels. It happened with, especially as I go back and look at some of clone wars. Um, But with bad batch, like of course we get what happens in the first episode in that first eight or 10 minutes with, um, young Caleb Doom and his master. And, you know, to me, that was such a, you know, that that was a Valentine to me because of how much I love Rebels. Yeah. But even with the second episode, we're getting to see the true beginnings of like the nuts and bolts of how the Empire started. And we didn't always get that. Like we got big picture Order 66. We got big picture, you know, transition. But like we're getting a lot more of the nuts and bolts of like, oh, the clones changed right away and their attitudes changed and Tarkin shows up and it becomes this much like, that's really fascinating to me. So shout out to Dave Filoni, not that he needs a shout out for me, but for continuing to give us star Wars things we didn't know we needed and knocking it out of the park every time. Absolutely. I was, um, I was hooked. I'm already, um, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to watch the second one with my son. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, and it's 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 kind of tough to avoid um, spoilers. Although it's it's not really as bad as um, Mandalorian. I mean, Mandalorian people would yes. <laughs> spoil it immediately. And there are certain shows that that I would watch, and I'm like, you know, I, I'm going to use the example of. Um, a WandaVision, WandaVision, which, mm-hmm. was, which was such an excellent series. Yes. And I remember, I remember reading some of the spoilers, but because I, I didn't know those comics as well, they didn't really spoil it for me. Right. Same, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was the same way. <clears throat> yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't know who this is. And, and yeah, I don't, when I don't Ag- know the when story. Agatha, <laughs> when Agatha Harkness showed up, I thought I'm going to have to go look that up because I don't know who that is. Yeah. I, I just, you know, Avengers was just not something. I mean, I was, I was reading Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. <laughs> and I was reading Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when it first came mm-hmm. out. You know, I was always into 
uh, the independence. And of course, my favorite of all time was Gru the Wanderer, Sergio Aragonés. I thought mm-hmm. this is this is the perfect comic. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I think with um, with Bad Batch, you know, I, I, I'm still careful, um, but I love just discovering, you know, the story at my own pace. Absolutely. And uh, and man, that that first episode was just epic. I like you. I'm I'm hooked. I'm I'm uh, I've got, you know, there he is, Hunter. <laughs> I'm, I've gotten really bad about like if I if I draw the character in Star Wars Insider, then I think, well, I I need to own the toy, right? Well, and you that's, did, it's reference material, right? Yes, yeah, it is. <laughs> be able to write that off as a work expense somehow. <laughs> I, you know, I do now. I, I never That's did before, but my buddy Art, he was like, everything that you purchase, if it, like you're saying, if it's, if it's reference, if it's inspiration, that then that, mm-hmm. that's a part of your job. That's I'm awesome. Like, I'm like, Hey honey, I'm going to the toy store. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got to go get some more reference material. I mean, that's, that's right. Well, um, well, and I want to, I want to take time and give appropriate attention to this too you don't just draw star wars like you draw and have interest in a lot of other things and your instagram feed has so many great you know pieces of work that you do your website which we will link all of those in the show notes when we put out the audio version um but talk about some of the other stuff i know you've got some original comics that you do talk about that too well my definitely my passion right now not only have i always been a huge star wars fan um but you know, when, when you were when you were talking about, you know, after Return of the Jedi. Um, so right around that time, um, you know, right, bef- right before Jedi came out and then right after um, He-Man was such yes. a huge, <laughs> huge influence. Yes, me too. Uh, in my life, I had Castle Grayskull and I had He-Man and Skeletor. Mm-hmm. And so um, I I'm doing this uh, comic book called Blue Scar the Barbarian. There's. Yep. Sure. Blue Scar the Barbarian. And the cool thing is I, I am doing this with my son Tyler. Um he he has written like this this epic. And uh I'm always teasing him because you know he's like, Oh, I've got all these books playing. I'm like, Well, I have to draw those. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he has he has written the story. My brother Stephen is doing all of the all of the coloring and 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 the design work and um and my buddy levi and it's like it's it's such a cool thing to create something with your family and uh and we all put our heart and soul into it and so blue scar is an homage to um to he-man so mm-hmm. you've got blue scar the barbarian and then the villain is crimson and he's this big red half snake, half hooded creature, which represents, you know, you know, Darth Vader and um, uh, the villain from Thundercats, Mumra. Mm-hmm. You know, Mumra. it's like I'm just yep. borrowing from all these things that I love. Um, and uh, we've, you know, we've got, we've got this really cool sword. So the first issue came out last summer. We only printed 75 copies and they're gone. Um, we're getting ready to to print the second issue, which we serialized on our Patreon page, mm-hmm. and we're halfway through issue three. Oh, wow. um, so, I mean, yeah, we're we're hoping that um, you know at the end of the, this year we'll have issue three, and then 
the end of the next year, hopefully we'll have a, uh, a graphic novel out. Um, but I am just, I'm just having a blast because it incorporates everything that I love. Star Wars, uh, He-Man, uh, my family. Um, it's just, mm -hmm. it's awesome. It really is. Well, every, every, every week I get pages back from my brother and I'm like, oh my gosh, he just knocks it out of the park. Cause he's, he has worked with, um, he has worked with, uh, Blue Sky Studios. Mm -hmm. uh, he's worked with Raven because um, he did work on Ice Age 3. He did work on Rio. So he's got such an incredible uh, design sense. And early on when we were talking, I said, I said, I want the characters as far as like their their colors and their gear and stuff. I want it to be kind of kind of flat, almost like you know, Hanna-Barbera or something like that. Mm -hmm. so, but for the rest, you just go nuts. And so his style and my style together, it's just like, ah, oh, that's, you know, chef's kiss. That's what I, that's what I was hoping oh, right. for. <clears throat> well, and that's amazing. And I'll say this as somebody who's not at all well-versed in styles or influences or whatever. When I look at your Instagram feed, the things that I see are some of the things that you said, Hanna-Barbera, filmation like some of those 70s and 80s like that style pops out to me and i love that you can take that and this is what i'm so fascinated about people who do what you do and have these talents that i don't have that you can take that and you can make something original like blue scar you can take and you can do star wars versions of that like you know it's so unique and it's so special and so those are the things I see, which, of course, endears, is endearing to me because that's the age and era that I grew up in watching the filmation stuff, the Hanna-Barbera shows like that's what I see when I see your work. And so to hear you say that, I feel at least a little bit validated, like maybe I do know half of what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, thank um, you. That, that that means that means we're we're doing our job because I know I, I was able to send a a copy to um, to Rob Lamb, who worked on he-man he he worked at filmation mm -hmm. and uh, i was able to send him a copy and and uh, even included him in uh one of one of the little one of the little jokes uh there's a mention of a character called lamb man but just to <laughs> just to be able to to tell someone you you created something you had a hand in creating something that was so important to me and uh you know this, this, this is what I'm doing. This is my passion. So thank you. Mm -hmm. It's always cool to be able to do that. Well, and I, the other thing that I think is so special is exactly what you said. You get to work with your son and you get to work with your brother. Like this is a family affair and it's a family passion. And like to see the excitement and the motivation, I told you before we came on the air, um, that one of the mother's day gifts that my wife or that I gave to my wife and my children gave to my, to their mother for Mother's Day this year was we gave her a podcast and that sounds very silly, but we are going to probably at the start of the summer, we're going to watch all of the Marvel movies with her who has no idea what any of these things are, what it means. And we're going to record it. And it's going to be my four girls who they've seen a lot of it and are fairly into it. She, But she's clueless. Like we were talking this afternoon and she said something about MCU and I made the mistake of saying what MCU stood for. And she was like, well, you shouldn't have told me because I was going to say that stands for Marvel crime unit. And, <laughs> and so that's going to be a part of the fun of the show is just like, what do you think it is versus what it turns out to be? 
but I'm so excited to do that because it's something that the six of us are going to get to do together and be excited about and come up with, you know, fun bits to do as we go through these 20 movies and fun question segments. And, you know, can mom, you know, remember who these characters are, can't, but, but it's the family connection point of that. So when I hear you and I could even hear it in your voice talking about your son, writing this awesome stuff and your brother knocking it out of the park, like that's what makes it special. And I have to feel like, a part of that informs the quality of the product you make. Like, you know, it's like they say with a sandwich, it was made with extra love. Like this comic book or this series that you're doing has that family love and connection behind it, which is just phenomenal. Thank you. I, I, I agree. And I'm excited. And, and just as a side note, I would totally watch Marvel crime unit. Uh, I mean, that sounds like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that sounds that like a been, <laughs> I feel like that's maybe what agents of shield was supposed to be. Maybe that's where I missed the boat on that. Maybe. <laughs> um, well, before before we get into your top seven list, which I'm also excited about and is a lot of fun. Um, one of the other things that you are so kind and so generous to offer when I asked you to come on the show um, was that you offered to give us or give the show one of your drawings to give away to one of our listeners. Um, and so I'm going to throw that up on the screen just for a tease. Audio listeners, you're missing out. But there's this awesome Darth Vader that Jamie has drawn and has signed. Um, and he is going to give that away. So here's what we're going to do. This is how I'm going to run this contest. And I'm kind of making this up on the fly. Um, live viewers, you get the first preview, but it's not limited to just tonight because we do have audio listeners. Um, what we're going to do is between now and Friday, if you're watching the show tonight or if you listen to it on the podcast sometime this week, send me a direct message on Twitter at Will's pod with Jamie's top seven planets. I'm going to make you listen to the whole show so that you can tell me who his seven <laughs> planets are. Um, so send that to me in a private message. And on Friday afternoon, probably Sunday morning, maybe I'll even do it on the show next Sunday night. Um, anybody who direct messages me on Twitter at Will's pod um, with Jamie's top seven planets, you'll be in the running to draw this out and we will draw it and we will send it to you. And Jamie, I can't thank you enough about that. In fact, I'm very jealous of somebody who's going to get to win this because this is awesome. But as I also told you in email earlier this week, I'm very interested in a commission that I need to follow up on with you. So we'll handle that after, <laughs> we, get out, after we get out of the show. Um, but that also sets up a transition into what our top seven list is tonight. Um, I love when I have guests on and I kind of say, Let's pick something. Let's pick seven of something and let's count it down. Favorite, top, whatever it is. A lot of times I have guests on and they say, well, I don't know if these are necessarily my favorites, but they're seven that I really like. And that's fair because Star Wars, right. like a lot of things, is don't make me pick my favorite child. Um, and so we're going to jump into this with your top seven Star Wars planets. And we're just going to talk about them. And you have a fantastic list. Um and so right, running right into it, at number seven, you have Indoor. So tell us about Indoor and why this was your first selection. Well, I just remember, uh, of course, seeing, you know, Return of the Jedi when it, when it came out. And, you know, I was, I was at an age where I already, I already had all of the toys. And, um, and I remember loving the Ewoks. Uh, not all my friends did. <laughs> <laughs> But I, even then, I was like, well, they're they're making sure that even the younger generation gets, you know, gets into it. Because, you know, if you're if you're 10, 11, 12 and then you take your younger brother, younger sister, they're going to see the Ewoks. And I mean, they're they're giant uh, 
or not giant. They're 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 little <laughs> teddy bears, but they kick butt and they and they right. and they 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 bring humor and um, you know their whole interaction with C three PO when they thought he was he was a, a, a god. <laughs> he was a god. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's, it's so great. And it's so great. And they've kind of earned this moniker, especially for anybody that plays um, the Battlefront 2 video game and the Ewok, you know, the escape from indoor at night, getting attacked by Ewoks and some of that stuff. They've earned this moniker in more modern times as murder bears, which makes me laugh every time I hear it. They're all cute, but they'll take you out if you're not careful. Yeah, there's there's a there's a tops artist. Um I'm, I'm always afraid because because you, you see it written and you think, oh, I know how to pronounce that. And I, you don't <laughs> want to mispronounce. But there's an artist. His name is Ronnie Crowder, I believe. OK, so Ronnie Crowder art. If you see his stuff, he's, he's just incredible. And he loves Ewoks. And not only does he does he do these amazing, you know, teeny tiny paintings on Topps cards, but he collects them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember I had I had done a drawing of. Of, of an Ewok and it looked like they look in the the Ewoks cartoon. <laughs> you know, we are the e, 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 right. e. <laughs> So I had this yeah. and he was like, oh man. And, and um so if you know anybody listen, there you go. There he is. Oh yep. dude, that's that's hard to get. Well these are and this is interesting because my um who found oh my parents went to an auction a couple of weeks ago. And these guys, they got two sets of them. There's also R2 and 3PO. Oh my and of course, awesome. I, I kind of lost my mind when I first saw them because I thought these are those original droids, like the toys, the the really expensive ones. Right. They're not those, they're rubber and they're not articulated like they don't move. And so I did some research because I couldn't figure out what they were because they're not Bendems either. And that's what I thought they were at first. But they're from, I believe it was a Spanish comic book line of some sort or Spanish comics something. And so like the rubbery, they're not like a regular action figure, but they're just unique and they're different. And they're in that same style that you thought of. And so um, when my parents brought me that in a box with like a bunch of other vintage Star Wars toys, I said, how much did you pay for this? She was like, Ten dollars. <laughs> so um, it was a heck of a score at an auction house. But um but yeah, that style of the Ewok, like you were saying, that that's him right there. This one even has pink eyes. He's a little bit terrifying. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, that's you know, and and of course, you know, you you've got everything that that was happening on 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 indoor, you know, that had influence over what was going on with you know Luke and Vader and Palpatine. So that that was just one of the one of the first things that. That, that popped into my head when I was when I was making that's, my list. Oh, well, that's an excellent choice. And for me, indoor murder bears aside, <laughs> indoors, the kind of planet that I would want to spend time on, like, and I'll come to this because I have a couple of bonus selections at the end. But if I'm going to get to pick, you know, between the beach or, you know, the forest or the mountains, I'm going to the forest and the mountains every day. I, the beach is for somebody yeah. else, mostly all the people I live with. So I have to go anyhow, but like, <laughs> this is, this is my kind of place. And even as a kid, I knew, and I don't know how I knew this at this early enough of an age, but like, I was like, that's California. Like that's the red, like I could go to indoor this week if I got on an airplane and flew to, you know, Sequoia national forest 
And one day I'm going to get there and I'm not going to resist the urge to feel like I'm not on indoor. So <laughs> it, it is really cool and it is beautiful. And of course, for what we got in Return of the Jedi too, it was some of that same groundbreaking stuff. Like those giant trees felt outer space-like because, you know, most of us don't live around, you know, redwood trees. We live around regular sized trees. So it had an otherworldly feel to it. And you mix in the Ewoks and the speeder bikes and all that yeah, stuff. Awesome. Like, it really did, you know, it created an environment. And that's something that does get talked about, but sometimes I feel like not enough, especially in any of the Star Wars movies. You always have, you know, two or, two or three distinct climates for a certain movie. You know, for Star Wars, we had Tatooine and we had the Death Star and a little bit of Yavin. And then you get to Empire and you get Hoth and you get Bespin and you get um the you know out in space the asteroid field that kind of stuff and then you get to jedi and you get back to tatooine you get indoor like the those so and they carry that through even through the modern era we get all these other planets so that's part of why this list that we're doing tonight is so relevant um but indoor is absolutely a great way to kick off so how about number six why don't we jump into that all right number six number six hot yes um this is you a know, favorite of mine, so I can't wait to hear your your thoughts about it. Definitely, uh, out of all the films, uh, Empire Strikes Back resonates the most with me, and I guess I guess that's probably a popular thing to say if 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 you're my age. Um, but you know, you you you've got that that huge reveal, and um, you've got Boba Fett and, and all these wonderful things. But that they grab you at the beginning of the movie with the Wampa Monster which yes. I finally was able to hold on one second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was finally able to, uh, to get one. Yeah, my, uh, there he is. <laughs> this is one of the, this is one of the originals. Uh, but my, my buddy, Eric, he, he goes and he will, he will go to yard sales and he will go to estate sales. And, and anytime he finds a, a Darth Vader or, or something, he will. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> yep. And this one, this one has a little Duplo guy that my kids found that looks kind of like me when I grow my, when I grow my beard out. So he, I see on, it. I, I see it. That. That's right. He's got a hiking map and a beard and red hair, but he's also riding on the, the vintage Womp or Tauntaun. So we're, we're in good company here. Well, I mean, they, they just, they grab you right at the beginning, right at the beginning of the movie. Cause you're number one, you're introduced to this, this amazing uh, Sasquatch, um, and then you're you're worried about Luke. You're worried about Han. You've got the Tauntauns, and uh, and then the and then the epic battle, which uh, I I love that they reference it in. I just recently watched um, Captain America: Civil War, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, of course, the funny line where Spider-Man says, "Remember that old movie?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was like, "Oh man, I I am old," but I love I love that. Um, that whole sequence uh, there. So that's why, that's why I chose, uh, I chose Hoth. Well, and it's an excellent choice. And it's also one of my um, top planets, top movie. And you said, you know, it's an easy answer to give, but you know, especially if you're of a certain age, Empire Strikes Back is your favorite Star Wars movie. And, you know, I have said for a long time, not only is it my favorite Star Wars movie, it is actually my favorite movie of all time. It really is. Okay a perfect film. It's so good from top to bottom. It hits, you know, so many notes. 
And like you, those hoth scenes, especially when I was a kid, like it was vast, it was cold, you could feel some of it, but you get the wampa. I mean, equally as terrifying to me was when that probe droid showed up and that noise and that thing just hovering across and you know everything about it was really great. And I said recently somewhere else, I grew up the first 10 years of my life, we lived in Illinois. So like I knew what snow was and what winter was. It wasn't hot winter by any stretch, but even on this, they make that kind of winter look good. Like, yeah, I'll put on a big furry hooded jacket and go out and ride around. Let's go. You know, nobody in their right mind really would do that, but Star Wars made Hoth look literally cool. So, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. I, I remember, I remember playing with, uh, with all the, you know, the Hoth, Luke and Han and Leia and, and, mm-hmm. and the Tauntaun. I had the Tauntaun. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, just like Indoor and Hoth, it's easy too to, if you don't, if you can't afford the play sets, well, just, you know, wait till it snows or go outside, and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, as yes, as somebody who now lives in Montgomery, Alabama, and has for the last forty years, thirty years of my life, um, we don't get nearly as much snow as we did when we lived in Illinois. But on the occasions that we do, I will be the first to admit that I've taken my twelve-inch Hoth Han Solo and went out and stood him up in the snow and took pictures of it to put on Instagram. Um, so you know, you have to you have to make way when you can. Well, and, uh, you know, I'm in Virginia and of course, Virginia is really weird because you can start out the week and it's snowing. And I can can remember uh, some uh, some years where we would we would literally have a foot of snow on Monday and then Uh Friday. Not only is it all melted, but it's like 70 degrees outside. Um, it's just, it's just weird, but I, I, I do love the, uh, the snow. Same thing. Take, yeah, take the figures out, get some cool shots. Um, I, I love seeing some of those, uh, Instagram photographers where they'll like, mm-hmm. you know, light the firecrackers and, oh, and get these some of those cool- people are insane. The talent that goes behind that is mind blowing. Um, well, let's jump into number five. Let's keep this moving. We have Dagobah. Yep. Of course we're sticking have- with <laughs> <laughs> we're sticking with empire but just you know luke's training uh with yoda and then of course i remember really being freaked out as a kid with the scene where you know he's he's going to face his fears mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there's vader again and i'm like well how did he get there how did he even know <laughs> how did he even know um that that whole sequence was just so cool um and then, uh, and then, of course, of course, Yoda. I mean, every everybody loves Yoda and his, and his wisdom. Um, so yeah, another. Uh, I mean, it, it was really hard because I, I could have, you know, I could have said, um, you know, Best Ben and, mm-hmm. uh, but but definitely uh, definitely Dagobah because of Yoda and because of that sequence with Vader. Yes. Well, and I'm going to agree with Seth. Seth chimed in the live chat, said, would not want to live there. Nope. Nope. Um, <laughs> be, being in Alabama and having some of the great outdoor spaces that we have, we have some parts of Alabama that feel a little bit about like Dagobah, <laughs> especially in the humidity of an Alabama summertime. So sometimes I feel like I live in Dagobah, but you're right. Um, this is not an, an environment for me, but again, it does such a good, it adds such a character to the storytelling, especially for, what we get, the unexpected, Lucas turning, you know, expectation on its end. Luke's going to look for this great Jedi warrior, as he tells Yoda. 
then he doesn't. He finds a little green hermit in a muddy swamp right. and, you know, snakes crawling out and lizards and all the things that, of course, they had to use physically to make it look otherworldly. But it again, it added so much. And of course, you have, you know, the X-Wing in the swamp and the way that that comes back around, um, you know, in Rise of Skywalker and has that great, you know, as George Lucas says, it's poetry. It rhymes. It comes and, you know, it goes in a circle. But Dagobah does add so much to that, even if it's a place that when I look at it, I'm like, mm, gross. Like when R2 comes yeah. out of that swamp, when he gets spit out and they're sitting there by the fire and Luke, I always remembered for some reason that scene where Luke runs his finger around the circular part of R2's little eye, you know, whatever. And he just scoops all that mud out and flops it down on the ground. We're going, we've all been there. We've all gotten stuck in the mud at some point. He's like, what, what is this even all about? And, and <laughs> you know, getting, getting frustrated. And, and, uh, and then when you see that, you know, you know that's, that's all a, a, a teaching moment. And then, of course, you know, you haven't even gotten the first time you see it, you haven't even gotten to the to the big reveal. And you see the echoes where he's facing Vader and then he, mm-hmm. you know, sees himself. And it's like, man, it's just like you said earlier, it's just it's just the perfect movie, I think. Yeah, it's really great. Well, uh, well, that gives us a great way to jump on down to number four, another classic, uh, Tatooine. Um, and I had to pick this picture. There are other things we could have picked for Tatooine. We could have picked Mos Eisley. We could have picked Mos Espa. But this is, you know, somebody asked a question on Twitter the other day in one of those memes of like, if someone says the word Star Wars to you, what do you see in your head? And the two things I always see in my head is the shot from Empire where Luke and Vader are crossing lightsabers and they're kind of backlit as those shadows on the steps. I see that. And I see this picture, which is Luke going out from the Baru home or the Lars homestead to look at those two suns as they're setting and to hear that beautiful John Williams piece with the binary sunset, you know, Tatooine again, not someplace I want to live because it's just a desert and it's sand and it's so, it's so vast and, kind of bad that they have to farm for moisture, <laughs> but, um, but you certainly picked it as a part of your list. So tell us about your connections with Tatooine. Well, you know, I had to, I had to include it um, because, you know, the, the first movie kind of, kind of set it all, set it all in motion. And I remember seeing, you know, the, the two sons and the twin sons. And then I ended up, uh, Later on, later on in life, I, one of my favorite jokes that I've ever written was, um, which uh, has, you know, when you first came out, you just called him Walrus Man, mm-hmm. um, and then Doctor Evazon, and they're getting ready to go into the cantina, and Walrus Man or Pondo, like he's he's revealing that he got a tattoo of Tatooine on his arm <laughs> and the joke is the joke is you got a tattoo tatooine on your arm you'll never get rid of that and of course you know that that's a nod to the movie where um, <laughs> obi-wan takes his Love <laughs> takes it. his arm off but that yeah. was that was one of my favorite jokes because obviously <laughs> you know how he how he meets Kenobi and and, mm-hmm. and the mysteries of, of the sand people and you know what in the world you know what in the world is going on and and, and of course every everything that that 
sets him on his uh, on his path to becoming yeah. to becoming the hero. And 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 it is it is sad as a family man. You're sad for you know his aunt and uncle. It's like man and 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 all that stuff. And he kind of says, well, there's nothing here. There's nothing here for me now. Um, Absolutely. But it's you know it it started it all. So I mean, I, well, it did. And it's so interesting too that. Um, you know, in that first movie, when he's cleaning up the droids and he's talking and he says to, you know, 3PO asks, where are we? And Luke's comment is something to the effect of, you know, if there's a bright center of the universe, you're on the planet that's farthest from like we're on this outward backwater, whatever. But over the course of these, you know, 11 movies, Tatooine and even into Mandalorian, like Tatooine for being a backwater out of the way, nowhere. Um, I love in Last Jedi when he's talking to Ray and she said he says, Where are you from? And she says, Nowhere. And he goes, you know, come on, you can't be from nowhere. And she says, I'm from Jakku. He goes, You're right, that is nowhere. And like, this is the guy that's from Tatooine. Like, I love that joke and that kind of connection, but it keeps popping up. And there's, you know, of course, there are people that are in complaint and go, Is there only this one planet in Star Wars? There might be, and that's fine because it's fun and we're connected to it and we love it. And now because we know that we've got an Obi-Wan Kenobi series in the works, like we're going to get more Tatooine and I'm completely on board for it. I can't wait. I cannot yeah, wait. It's going to be great. Um, well, number three, um, as we keep this list moving along, uh, this is a little bit outside of our original trilogy. We're venturing into new <laughs> territory, but you picked Naboo for number three. And I like this choice, but definitely tell us about choosing Naboo. Well, well, I, when I was putting my list together, I was I was talking, I was talking to my brother about it, and uh, and uh, and he he laughs because I do love. Um, Jar -jar, I love Jar -Jar. There he is. I, I do. I, I even and and again, when I'm when I'm watching uh, Phantom Menace with my buddy Dave in '99, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Even then, I'm like. I know what Lucas is doing. He, he is, he's bringing in that, that humor. He's bringing in that, that love of, uh, of little kids. Um, and, uh, and so I just, I, I love that, that character, that whole sequence where he meets them and, um, and, uh, and that, that film, uh, especially what leads up to, again, I, I, I said this earlier, that, that, lightsaber battle is probably my favorite of, of all the films. Absolutely. Uh, the, the choreography, um, you know, I, as a fan, I didn't want Qui-Gon to, uh, you know, spoiler, <laughs> <laughs> didn't want him to die. Um, uh, but I just, I just, I always look at that, the music, uh, that that's playing when they're fighting. I'm just, Oh my gosh, just all, all of it's cool. And of course at the time yes. you didn't, you didn't know a whole lot about Darth Maul other than he was amazing, uh, an amazing villain. Yeah. And, and so it was just, you know, I, I go back to experiencing it for the first time and, and, and all that wonder of, you know, what, what does it all lead to? So, so Naboo is kind of like, you know, Tatooine. Mm -hmm. uh, in a way, because you you just you don't know what's coming, and and even if even if it doesn't go exactly as you think or as you want, it's still Star Wars and it's still awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and and two points that you said 
hit on and you hit on it earlier too, talking about that lightsaber battle, something that was so great, even for fans of our age and that grew up with the original trilogy. And really that's what informed our star Wars up to the prequels is we got to see more of the Jedi in their prime. We got to see, you know, like, Oh, this is what it was because what we got in the original trilogy, of course, is you get Obi-Wan. And of course we learn so much more about Obi-Wan and the way he fights and the things he does, especially in, there's a great breakdown that somebody did. And I wish I could find it again. Cause I can't take credit for it. Cause it's not mine. But in that fur, in those scenes with Darth Vader on um, the Death Star in star Wars, it's, it feels slow and it feels plotting and it's not the speed that we get in Phantom Menace when you have somebody like Ray Park and young Ewan McGregor and, you know, Liam Neeson. But there's also, as we learn and like you see what happens in Rebels when Obi-Wan faces off with Maul, like there is a intentional efficiency to the way Obi-Wan fights. And of course, not in Revenge of the Sith, because that's a whole different thing when he and Anakin square off. But like, it's very intentionally efficient and minimal movements and hit get. And so I love how they can do those things and bring that back around. But in Phantom Menace, when we had that big three way fight between Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, I'll never forget. And every time I see it and it's on, I've seen it hundreds of times, but there's a point where like they're going, they're going, they're going. And then the speed just like doubles and they get so much faster. And there's a point where Obi-Wan reaches behind his head like this with that lightsaber. And it's not, but for a split second, but it's like block go. And like, it just keeps going. And yep. that one, like it's so it's just, it's amazing. And so that does, you know, like you said, it's one of the best lightsaber fights um, in the entire trilogy or in the entire saga. But for yeah, me with, you know, yeah. When I, when I watch, when I watch the star Wars movies and you know, obviously people are people are passionate, but for me, there's something amazing in every one that you that you can take away um, from it. There, there are certain sequences, there are certain lines and it's it's cool. I, I love hearing when people talk about, you know, this, the stuff they love rather than the stuff mm -hmm. they don't. Cause sometimes it's like, absolutely. All right. You know? <laughs> If, Even if as, an old, as an old guy, I'm like, just, just calm down. That's you right. know, it's, it's, it's Star Wars. It's, it's, you know, but yeah, it's I, supposed I, to I be just, fun. exactly. And it's supposed to be for kids. Correct. It really right. is. I, it's, I, it, it, I'm the kid that I'm the kid that grow up and refuse to. So I'm the one that should actually, chill out. That's right. Um, well, and I love this too, because with Naboo, um, this has always also been one of my favorites, even, you know, in my earlier, younger, you know, punk days, as I guess I call them when I was just acting like a punk, um, <laughs> when I was trying to hate on the prequels, but didn't really know what I was talking about. Naboo stood out because of how beautiful it is. And of course we find out when we learn, you know, they shot this in Italy. So of course I want to go to Italy even more now for, oh, yeah. you know, those scenes like it, Padme's family's place on the lake and I'm sitting there going that's someplace I'd like to spend some time no question about it um, but you know and of course some of these in the scenes in the pictures that are on the screen when they're in the field and having their picnic like some of this is going to be of course CG but especially those scenes like I think it's on Lake Como that they shoot you know some of those beautiful castles and all that stuff like it really is a beautiful place that is befitting of um 
you know, who Padme was and who her family was and setting up the differences in the disparity between her background and origins and Anakin's, you know, we just talked about Tatooine and this dry, empty desert planet. And she comes from the lush green blue. Um, I think about Ray in force awakens when they go to, I think it's Maz's planet to go see Maz Kanata. She says, I didn't know there was this much blue in the whole galaxy. Like the, I love the way they set up those little bits. We just saw it um, in Bad Batch this week with Omega when she leaves, you know, Camino for the first time. And she kind of has a similar moment of like, Oh, what is this thing? And it's spoiler alert. It's dirt. And she's so <laughs> enthralled by dirt because she's not seen dirt before. So it is neat that again, these worlds and these planets and these storytelling in this storytelling can do these things and kind of stir up these emotions. Um, well, so number two, as we move on down the line, um, this is a great one and I have to, I've, I've had to resist the urge all week to call this Coachella prime because of the music festival. Um, and so I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but this is Coachella prime and please tell us about this because this is obviously a very special planet. Well, I've, I've already, um, <laughs> talked to you. I think this may have been before we actually went live. But I love Jackson. Yep. Um, Jackson is is the is the tall rabbit. Uh, I draw him a lot. I've drawn him in the comics for Star Wars Insider a couple times. Um, and a couple of years ago, I actually um, it was so it was so cool the way this all happened. But I actually sat next to Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas, of course, famous for mm -hmm. writing for Marvel Comics, uh, wrote Conan, wrote yep. Avengers, and wrote Star Wars. And um, <clears throat> so, Star Wars Insider Magazine had just it just came out the one with my comic where Jackson is running from this guy, um, <laughs> uh, Dexter. Uh, Dexter is, is Jester. Trying, he's trying to uh, to <clears throat> to get. You know, joke is he's trying to uh, uh, to get Jackson because he's going to serve rabbit at the diner. Um, <laughs> but I sat next to Roy Thomas and that issue came out. So there's there's my comic. There's this huge article with Roy Thomas. And he says, oh, man, I haven't even seen that yet. So I got to show him and we got to talk about it. And and, you know, he loved Bugs Bunny. Mm -hmm. um, and for those that don't know, Roy Thomas went on to create co-create. Captain Carrot with Scott Shaw, who's one of my favorite cartoonists. Um, so the, the character, you know, even from uh, such a young age, when I first saw him on that very first Star Wars comic, I, I loved the character. And um, and he, he told me, he said, you know, George didn't like him. And I said, <laughs> what? <laughs> he says, George Lucas didn't like him. And I'm like, why? And, and then I'm, I, it really boggles my mind because, you know, George loved Jar Jar and Jar Jar kind of looks like a rabbit. Correct. <laughs> I was like, but Jackson is so cool and I cannot wait. I ordered the figure. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing people getting there and I'm so jealous. I'm, I'm hoping I get it before my birthday in June. Um, Absolutely. But I just love the character so much. And, and that's why. Uh, I chose that one as my number two. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it's a, it's a fantastic choice. And we actually have as a guest in the live chat, Jackson himself. And he yes. agrees with you. What's not to love? I mean, come on. 
Um, so Jackson, <laughs> it is, it is very good of you to pop in and your timing couldn't have been better. Um, we're talking about your home world. And in fact, Jackson's home world is so mysterious that when I was doing some research, and getting ready, the only shot that I could find was this sort of slightly abbreviated picture of the planet from space. So the mystery of what you know, Coachell Prime looks like, Coachell, Coachell, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Um, what it looks like on the ground is a part of the Jackson and Leppy mystery. So we just have to let it remain so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's excellent. And I too love Jackson and I've had a, grown to having a new, newer affection for Jackson over the last few years. Um, again, not having grown up, I grew up with the star Wars comics, but didn't have them personally, didn't read them. Um, it just wasn't something I was into, but, um, knowing people that, you know, loved him. And of course, again, weird star Wars. I agree with you. Weird star Wars <laughs> is some of the best star Wars sometimes. Um, so I also pre-ordered the Jackson figure and can't wait yes. to, you know, to get, to get him in. And I don't collect black series, but that's one of those ones you just have to have. So, yeah, I was um, so excited. And, and I, and um, and I think of it, it. It was our it was our buddy uh, that you know revealed it on Twitter, and I was like, "This is a joke. I'm gonna yep. click on it, <laughs> and they're gonna say no, it's a joke." And I'm like, "I really want, I really want the figure." As a matter of fact, I have in uh, in Blue Scar, I have a three armed rabbit uh, that I um, that's in the world of Blue Scar, and his name is Solomon Bounce. And um, he is a total tribute, homage, ripoff, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> of Jackson. That's why I created him. That's why he's there. And he plays a big part in uh, in the third and fourth issues. So that's excellent. Um, well, it, that is a very worthy number two. So with that being said, we're going to move on to your number one and see what ended up at the top of your list. And what could we see? Mustafar. <laughs> Another yeah. planet you don't want to live up oh, before we get any more into Mustafar, we do have to have this one last comment. Jackson says, why doesn't anyone ever take me seriously? <laughs> the, the answer might be because you're a big green space rabbit. And at this point he's going to kick me in the head and say, don't call me a rabbit. So I know how this goes. <laughs> so Mustafar, let's talk about Mustafar. Cause we don't want to live there. It's hot. It's steamy. It's actually a lot like Alabama in July. Um, <laughs> minus the lava, but I feel like I can vibe with Mustafar a little bit on the heat side of things. Yeah, I had to go with Mustafar because because obviously, you know, I've said it before, Darth Vader is my favorite. He will always be. Um, I have way too many Darth Vader toys uh, in my studio. And because people know that, that I love him so much, sometimes I'll get um, people will send me, send me stuff. Um, but I love the character. I love, the little bit that we got to see in Rogue One, uh -huh. um, how he kind of, you know, this is this is where I'm going to hide away, and and you know, you had the little uh, one of his servants, and uh, I mean, I, I want to know all about that. And there there's there is a series out, but I have not read it yet, unfortunately. But I want to get it called Vader's Castle. Uh huh. Um, but I just, I love the looks. I love what we got to see in Rogue One. And I love Darth Vader out of, out of <laughs> Mustafar as the Alabama of the Star Wars. Universe. Yeah, you're not wrong, Seth. I'll, I'll back you up on that. Mustafar is definitely the Alabama of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> so uh, I had, had to go, had to go with that one and, and would love to get the, um, uh, the Lego set 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm really running out of room. Uh, <laughs> I know I know how that goes. I definitely understand. Yeah, I mean, it's I a mean, great choice. Mustafar is a great choice, and because again, it adds so much to the canon. It adds so much to the lore and the storytelling. Of course, we have Obi Wan and Anakin facing off in Revenge of the Sith, and the way that ends, and you see the pain not only for Anakin but for Obi Wan. You were my brother, Anakin, and I loved you. Like there was oh, real line, emotion there. That line yeah, it, fills me. I mean, it, you know, because he, you know, at first I was like, man, you know, when I when I was first watching it. It, it just felt like it was happening so fast. And I think part of that is you don't want it. You don't want it to happen you, because they're so close because they're like brothers. That line really gets you uh, yes. when, when he delivers that is like, man, the emotion mm-hmm. is in his voice. And, and like you said, he, um, you know, would it, would it have been differently if they were on, uh, level ground was it was it the anger uh, in Anakin that just caused him to stumble and fall I, you know I don't know but that's just that's an awesome part but I, I also remember too when we first saw it because my son was really little and I remember thinking oh my gosh this is kind of gruesome and scary <laughs> <laughs> yes and I'm thinking, I, mean, I hope he doesn't have nightmares you know um, we have a dude melting into lava here it's kind of a yeah. big deal <clears throat> Well, and like you said, we get the shots of it in Rogue One. We get that scene where Krennic is flying in. And I remember watching Rogue One in the theater the first time I saw it. And like, again, not being in depth where Mustafar has been explored for the most part has been in the comics and in stuff that's no longer canon. And so I hadn't read any of that. I knew what Mustafar was. I knew that's where they were, you know, for Revenge of the Sith. And so right when that shot happens and you see a ship flying over a, you know, a lava plant. Oh, oh. And you see this big, tall foreboding spire and you know what's happening. And so that was really exciting. And then I thought it was also neat too, that that's what we get at the start of revenge of the Sith. That's where Kylo is when he's looking for the wayfinder and he's fighting in the woods. Like that's another part of Mustafar. Um, and so we've gotten these little teases of it along the way. Um, and then, you know, we don't know at this point where else it might pop up, which is neat because it is so tied to the lore of the story. And then that, and that um, another, I think, I think the, the jokes and the comics that I've done helped influence this, this list too, because I did a, <laughs> I did a comic and you have to forgive me. I laugh at my own jokes and no, and I, I'm they totally might not be you. funny. But <laughs> They're funny. But, to um, you and that's what matters. The, the Emperor Palpatine is like, he's shown in the in the doorway and he's like seriously and you look and darth vader has a little kitten mm-hmm. and the kitten i i colored her uh lava lava color <laughs> and her name her name is miss tafar and she's sitting there <laughs> she's playing with his finger he's like you know and she's mm-hmm. swatting at his so that's that's another reason why that that influenced um influenced that because i like i like to try to uh, to put little things like that in in the comic strip because obviously if you if you have Star Wars Insider you're 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 a fan you're invested right, right. and you can make those little little jokes that maybe people that are just casual viewers wouldn't necessarily get no doubt it's such it's so true and it's so 
you know, you should always laugh at your own jokes because if nobody else does, you should. I get that in my house constantly. I'm the funniest person in this house, but nobody seems to agree with me, but I haven't given up yet. There you um, go. But, but yeah, and that's what makes it so fun is you get to go in these different directions, especially with something like what you do with these comic strips for Star Wars Insider. You know, have you get to have fun with it. It gets to be like this lighter other what if side of things and some of that. So I think that's really neat. Well, that, I um, love the fact that that John, Jonathan is the one that named it the light side, mm-hmm. and uh, he um, he was a he is a big fan of of Gary Larson. So there's the, there's that yes. night, there's that nod. But then then the fact <laughs> that like you were saying, it's just this is the lighter side of of Star Wars. This is you know it's meant to be funny. When I draw Darth mm-hmm. Vader, you know I gave him the uh, I gave him the Google eyes to kind of. Yep. Um, you know, newspaper strips were a huge influence on me. You know, Beetle Bailey, mm-hmm. Garfield. Yes. Peanuts. So I, I wanted to incorporate. Some of that. So, um, yeah, the light side, I, you know, looking back, because I, I forgot what I pitched as the as the title, but it was it wasn't any good. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm glad it, we, we cl- <laughs> that's right. Well, and it's clearly worked out over the last four years. So I hope that that continues for you for a good long time. Well, this is an amazing list. Um, I have a couple, I usually add on a couple of bonus selections of my own after I've seen what the guests pick um, other things that, you know, either I feel like should be included or, you know, cause again, yeah, cause again I can't make you pick all the planets. Um, right. And so my first bonus selection is Scarif. And this is, this is an interesting one for me because I'm, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the beach is not my place. I would much rather be in the mountains or at the lake or camping in the woods than going to the beach. But I live in a house with five, really six women because our dog is a female as well. Um, Everybody in my house loves the beach. Like we're a beach house. We And we're very lucky that we live two and a half hours away from the Gulf Coast of Alabama, which in my opinion are some of the best beaches in the United States of America. We're very lucky in that regard. So when we go to the beach, a lot of times we'll make a day trip, drive down, spend the day, come back, whatever. I just have to kind of suck it up. If I have an umbrella, if I have a cooler, if I can just kind of sit and camp out and watch what's going on, we'll all be fine. But the scenes in Rogue One, when they go to Scarif, like it is appealing to me as a person who doesn't care for the beach, like the beautiful blues. You know, of course, there's that whole military citadel thing that gets a little bit in the way. But like you look at this planet and it's it feels like those pictures you see of Bora Bora all the time, all the little huts all along the water, picturesque to the, you know, the nth degree. So I picked Scarif as a bonus selection just because. While I don't care for the beach, Scarif makes me go, yeah, I'd hang out there. There's enough trees. There's enough greenery. We could make that work. (laughs) That's excellent. Um, And then the second one that I had as my other bonus, and you mentioned it before, you felt like you couldn't select all of the Empire Strikes Back things. But I I had to pick Bespin. Um, A City in the Clouds. It's kind of almost like you know, what we get from Rick Ollier when they go to Coruscant and the Phantom Menace. Um, You know, it's the the entire planet is a city. It's kind of like the other side of that. This is a city in the clouds and it floats. And as somebody who read all the EU novels, um, most of the EU novels, the old legend stuff, the original Thrawn, um, actually it wasn't the Thrawn trilogy. It was the Jedi Academy trilogy that was Kevin J. Anderson. 
one of the students that Luke finds, a kid named Kip Duran, he finds him on Bespin, in the ruins of Bespin, after Empire, after whatever. And, you know, this kid had his innate force sensibility to be able to live in the ruins of, you know, parts of this Tabana gas mine and, you know, all these things, which shout out to my friends, um, Alex and Pete at Star Wars Minute. They love to talk about how the gas that is being harvested on Bespin is Beldon farts, which is a big <laughs> space animal. And so, you know, kind of like cows, if we were har- harvesting methane or something. Um, so Bespin is nothing but a big fart planet, but, um, but it's still beautiful. And those scenes, when that twin pod cloud car comes flying through there, and even with the special editions, which weren't always my favorite, those Empire special edition scenes in Bespin are quality, like flying through there, giving some more of those views, like, it just looks like someplace you want to hang out. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm sorry. Uh, when when you when you, when you were talking about that t- today, after we had our our, our Mother's Day cookout, uh, the kids came <laughs> running in and they said, "Dad, Dad, you can you can ask Alexa to fart." <laughs> and I said, "What?" <laughs> and so. <laughs> They said, hey, Alexa, can you fart? And so if you're ever really, really bored, there you, um, go. you, you should you should give that a try. Im- important lessons learned on Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, best, this- been, best been almost. I was so close. Um, <laughs> but I was like, well, it can't they can't all be from Empire. So I tried to I tried to mix it up. A bit. But yeah, I no, agree. no, no, no. It was it, it's a great one. And like I said, it, it just, you know, the visuals, the views, um, you know, and this, in fact, Michael hit it exactly on the head. Some of the best map paintings pre-special edition are on Bespin. And that's another thing that I'm so fascinated with was the way these things were put together with, you know, the map paintings, the backgrounds, these old ways that they put those original tri- trilogy movies together. Um, and so to get those visuals and when, you know, they come off the Falcon and they're about to walk up to Lando, like the wind and the orange hue, like everything about it is just like, this is cool and it's great because Lando is cool. So it is all very designed and connected. So it it is a fun one. And then the interiors, you know, the interiors when they're chasing Luke, you know, it has a little bit of that, a little bit of the Imperial design aesthetic, a little bit of the Camino design aesthetic that we'll get later on, but it's so modern and sterile and not Tatooine and not the ice, you know, base of Hoth. And so again, these environments and these worlds are creating new places to explore, which is just really fun. Well, Jamie, this is a fantastic list. I think we have done an excellent job of counting down your top seven Star Wars planets. Um, Two things before we get out of here, I want to say again to those of you watching live with us right now tonight on Sunday night, and those that you are going to listen on the audio feed, I'm going to get this back up one more time for those that are watching right now, because I want you to see it and be jealous and be motivated. Um, There he is. Jamie has graciously offered this Darth Vader as a giveaway to one of our listeners. Um, If you didn't, if you're listening on the audio and you don't know what we're talking about, look it up on YouTube early this week. And what you need to do is send me a direct message on Twitter. We are at Will's pod on Twitter. Send me a direct message with Jamie's top seven list listed out. Everybody that sends that to me this week, Um, next Sunday night on the show at the top of the show, I will pull all of those out and we'll use some sort of online randomizer and we will draw a winner and somebody's going to get to win this awesome Jamie Cosley 
Darth Vader drawing. So Jamie, I can't thank you enough for offering that to one of our listeners. That's super kind. Um, before we get out of here, what do you have going on right now? What do you want to plug? We're going to put in the show notes. We'll put links to your website and Instagram and all that, but where can everybody find you? What do you want to tell them about? Well, thank you. Um, this, this was a blast. I, I had a great, I've had a great time. Um, I want to, I want to go back to if, if you, if you love star Wars, if you love masters of the universe, if you love Hanna-Barbera filmation, uh, please consider checking out um, our Patreon page is Patreon, patreon.com backslash Jamie Cosley. Um, we have the entire second issue of Blue Scar the Barbarian and half of three. Um, and you, I'm sure most of you know how it works. You, you can do a dollar a month, um, $12 a year, and then you, you get access to, to everything. I also post uh, videos um, and I, re I recently started doing this and, and, and uh, people seem to enjoy it. And it's basically I'll talk about what, you know, Tyler and I got at the comic shop or what toys we found at the local flea market. Um, and, uh, and then also um, you can get some original stories by my buddy Levi. Uh, he's a fantastic cartoonist. Uh, he's got a four pager up. that's just so fun. Um, so, if you get a chance, you know, please consider looking at it. I'm on Twitter, Jamie Cosley, Jedi cartoonist. And, um, and yeah, I love to talk about star Wars and, and filmation and all those things. So. Excellent. Well, Jamie, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for spending some time on a Sunday night with us truly makes, you know, us feel good. And I love having these conversations. I love hearing about, I've told several people and I've talked about on the show. I've been so lucky especially over the last couple of months to have so many people come on the show who a part of their job is star Wars. We've had, you know, Brandon St. Bernard who works for the tops card trader app. Um, we had Charles Boyd who works on the um, old Republic video game. We've had voice actors and authors and all these people like who have gotten to do a part of their job has been connected to star Wars and you're no different than that. So it's really awesome to get to have these conversations and learn what that experience is like. Um, I do want to say to everybody watching um, tonight, thank you for hanging out with us. I hope you all have had a fabulous Sunday. I hope everybody's heading into a good week. We're looking forward to new bad batch on Friday. I will say I teased this a little bit up front, but I'm going to hit it a little bit more right now. Um, shout out to recent guest of the show, Michael Nip. He reached out and I'm going to be on the deuce cast extra tomorrow night, about nine o'clock. Um, that will be streamed live on YouTube. It's kind of the TV version TV version of the deuce cast. And we're going to be talking about you guessed it, the bad batch. And so they reached out, Michael said, Hey, we want you to come talk about bad batch. And I said, me talking about star Wars, it's a deal. So thanks <laughs> to Michael. I look forward to hanging out and doing that with those guys tomorrow night around nine central time. So check that out. If you're available, I'll try to get a link up on Twitter tomorrow. Um, remember the contest list out Jamie's top seven, send it to me on Twitter at Will's pod. And until we are again together next week, may the force be with you always. Mm -hmm.